You are listening to the Mission Matters Podcast Network, where we amplify the stories of entrepreneurs, executives, and experts. Hello, and welcome to the Real Estate Lowdown. I'm your host, Bill Bimel. I'm very excited to share with you today's guest is a gentleman named Eric R. Brown. Eric runs a luxury boutique real estate brokerage in Beverly Hills, California. He's been here in Los Angeles for just under 10 years and after building a successful luxury business in Minnesota, where he still maintains a practice as well. Eric has branded himself that one in a million realtor and, and I will tell you he is a one in a million type of guy we've connected on so many levels he's got a great attitude and and passion for what he does and open-mindedness and just really a loving life today's tidbit before we get to the interview with eric is going to be about the word realtor today's real tidbit being realtor remember the real tidbit series we're going to discuss a specific term of the residential mortgage financial private equity markets we're going to dig into that for about two three four five ten minutes and share with you and the reason today's real tidbit is the word realtor is because I just to clarify what well, what is a realtor you know you hear the terms real estate broker you hear the terms real estate agent and you hear the term real and to clarify what a realtor is in its purest sense in the pure definition of a realtor is a real estate professional either an agent or broker who is licensed in the state they practice who is also a member of the National Association of Realtors, NAR, a a professional association that basically has monopolized the realtors around the country. Traditionally, realtors were the only ones that have had access to the multiple listing service. The multiple listing services was a database that was built way before the days of the internet, before it was easy to just, you know, click on Zillow and look something up on an aerial view and get a valuation in 10 seconds. The multiple listing service was, which was controlled by local realtor associations, was what gave the power to the National Association of Realtors, what's made it really powerful. And only real estate agents and real estate brokers or other professionals, lawyers who subscribe to the professional association, the realtor association, either on the local or national level, all local dues include national membership. Those are the people that can call themselves realtors. So you actually may do business with a real estate agent or a real estate broker, especially if you're talking about commercial real estate, you may never come across a realtor. We all know of realtors because, you know, heck, our Aunt Jessie down the road may be a realtor. And in places like Florida, there's there's always a realtor, the family or friend member, wherever you throw a rock. But the Realtor Association designation does come with some value. It means somebody who is committed to being an agent 
of real estate in the area that they're working. So it is a designation of repute. It's also one that's important because when you come into contact with real estate agents or brokers or professionals selling real estate, it's nice to know if they are a realtor. There's insurances and obligations that come with somebody who's holding themselves out to be a realtor. So before that said, our real tidbit was realtor, and we are going to talk to one of my new favorite realtors, Eric Brown, in just a moment. If you like what you hear on the Real Estate Lowdown, please click subscribe, and we hope to have you on the journey. We will discuss things, anything real estate related. You'll get to know me. I also like to talk about travel. I like to talk about the mortgage industry. I like to talk about macroeconomics. We'll have amazing interviews, hopefully a little bit of education, hopefully some entertainment and some laughing. And like I said, please click subscribe. And if you want to find me anywhere on the internet, I am at billbymel.com, B-I-L-L-B-Y-M-E-L. Now let's turn to our interview with Eric Brown, One in a Million Realtor. Eric Brown, thank you for joining me here today. Glad to be here. Thrilled to have a conversation. You know, Eric is a realtor and many other things, a speaker, an influencer, an authority on residential real estate, especially high-end luxury residential real estate, and we'll get into that. But Eric and I connected on more of a personal level a few months ago. I feel like, you know, it was almost like we were like souls that traveled the world in similar paths, you know, discussing some of our travel that similar places we traveled to, similar relationships we've had in our life and places that we're at in our life. And we're both these, you know, semi-single guys in the most, you know, the best weather place on earth with great views of all sorts. And and now I, I'm looking forward to connecting with you on a business level. So tell us a little bit of an intro. Who is Eric Brown? Yeah, thanks. I mean, to start, the term a brother from another mother couldn't apply better than right. how you and I had connected. So thank you for that. Yes. But, but who I am, it, it's an interesting question because there's a million and a half of me by profession within the U.S., real estate professionals. And I've heard all of these cliches, the niches make riches. And this idea of if you can be a purple cow, you can be that cow that's in the field filled with brown and white cows with a bunch of polka dots, and you're the purple one, you're going to stand out. Right. I've always tried to make a service and a business that really stands out to your prospective clientele and offer things that are unique that maybe not everyone in the world is going to want, but your audience your tribe, your potential raving fans. And so in my business of, this is gosh, going to date me, but I'm pushing 20 years already, spread across multiple states and hundreds of home transactions, I've been able to build the thing that's a little bit unique compared to the average. And you talk, I think that you wrote a book actually about your travails called One in a Million. Some have said this is one of the most influential books on those in need of realtor experience. You know, talk about, tell me about that. Yeah, well, kind of like I just described, there's, you know, give or take a million and a half real estate agents here. And how do you pick a right one? You know, there's a really low barrier to entry in real estate. You need to be 18. You have to pass a test. You can't be a felon. You need a heart. And when someone's selling a six, seven, eight-figure property, you'd think that there would be a little bit more criteria for someone to be able to assist that home buyer or home seller or investor. So this book is a way that highlights what someone should look for 
when they're making that big decision. Right. Someone doesn't buy or sell a property every day, but when you do, it's not every day that you make a six, seven, or eight-figure decision with property. Right. And so knowing that you've got someone in your corner to help you is, in essence, what this book was created to be able to help people with. You know, it's funny. So you touched on a couple of points there that I think are interesting. I grew up the son of a real estate broker myself. Dad was not in general real estate until I maybe later in life when I actually became an investor and broker myself 20 years ago. But in most of the time that I was growing up, he worked for developers. So I would tour the properties and the developments with him and I would spend time in his sales office and, and whatnot. So, and and one of the things that I learned was that marketing yourself is as much, you know, the marketing aspect is obviously a never ending part of the real estate business. So really, what, and, and one of the things that I'm seeing in looking at you is that when I look at you as a realtor, I see a man that knows how to market himself and in turn He's not only, he's going to be, that is a shoe in for the way that he will market my properties. Now, then you obviously layer in additional aspects of how you would advise clients and why that's, you know, it, it certainly sets you apart in that regard. And it's, it's part of, I totally get what it's all, what it's all about. There. Yeah, that's a, it's an insightful observation. And you can say this about many businesses. When someone's looking at hiring a professional service, so insurance, chiropractor, auto mechanic, lawyer, financial planner, the list goes on and on. In essence, you're buying that professional. So not dissimilar to a t-shirt or groceries, that's a product. But here, when you're buying the service, you want to feel really, really good about the service. How does it make you feel? Do you feel protected? Do you feel safe? Do you feel like you're going to be able to meet or exceed your goals? And part of the marketing piece around any of these businesses is highlighting those features of the product, aka whoever is the service professional, and sharing that with a greater audience. And inevitably, that thing gets legs, and a rolling stone gathers no moss. I hear that. Well, tell me, let's divert for a little bit of the front lines, because I always like to go to the front lines and, and talk about today's current market. You know, besides you building your business, which is going to happen whether the markets are up and down. My father used to say, you know, that any, you know, it's, like you said, it's a low barrier to entry. So here's a joke for you. My father used to tell me about getting pulled over on I-95, which is the East Coast 405, right? Or, and uh, and he and the officer pulled him over one day and said, real estate license and registration, please. And my father said, officer, don't you mean you want my driver's license? He says, the trooper leans down and says, sir, this is the state of Florida. Not everyone has a driver's license. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which is so true. And you know, while the markets have been up these last couple of years, you start to hear about more and more moms, and you know, and teachers, and you know, kids, and second jobs, and the part timers. They take, they eat up a lot of that additional inventory. But the irony of it is, is that that's it's been a little different this time around because there just isn't a lot of inventory out there. And yet we have come into a very transitional period in the last 90 days with a, with a doubling of interest rate in the last in less than a year. What are you seeing? First of all, speak to 
what you're seeing on the front lines today with clients. Is there a slowdown going on? Here we are recording this first week of August. You'll probably be, we'll probably be up on the air third week of August. Where is the, especially the high end, tell us what, what you're seeing on the front line. Yeah, so nobody has a crystal ball and Los Angeles really is the Emerald City. So it's unique compared to the rest of the US. You've got other pockets, New York, San Francisco, Miami, that would be similar on some fronts. So LA in and of itself is a little different than national, but aggregately across the marketplace, interest rates have slowed down demand just because buying power is less. There's still buyers out there because nationally builders during the pandemic did not keep up with building inventory that was required for the population. So we're in this unique space of lack of affordability, but not inventory. So people are still competing, just not as much. Mm. So six, seven months ago, you might have seen on a property, if it was attractive and desirable, 10, 20, 30 offers. And now you might see three, four or five offers. So it's so great to be a seller. It's still competitive. It's just managing that expectation difference. Yeah, I hear that. That's exactly what I've been saying in my recent appearances at conventions or online is if you want to sell in the next year to two years or must sell, now's still a good time to do it. And now is the time to do it. Because as markets, you know, we've got the not only the push of cost of living, the push of interest rates, but we've obviously now in recent days gotten reports that it looks like we are in a recession. And so look, markets are cyclical, you know, what is it like for you? You know, we talked, I'm going to pivot back to you as a business builder. And what's it like? You've come to the you know, it's like if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. If you can make it in Beverly Hills real estate, you can make it anywhere. <laughs> You've done it all over. Now it's like, I'm going to tackle the big one. And you were talking a little bit before we started recording about, you know, where you're at and kind of scaling your business. And it's a, a new venture for you. And and what's it like now knowing that we're going into, now I'm really going to put it to you. We're going into a recession. Interest rates are up. Well, what's it like trying to scale a business up and, and, and what do you, what do you foresee in the months, years ahead for your, for yourself and for the business? Yeah. So I'm, I'm fortunate in that I've been doing this long enough where I've now seen four or five cycles of the ups and the downs. And like you said, it is cyclical. Right. So you, as you've been doing this a while, you start to see the repeatable patterns and you get right. to say, okay, I know what's coming and I know there for it which is a, a great spot. To be. It's been a little less than a decade in Los Angeles. And I would say if I'm to really push back the curtain and share with people three, four years, it took to really get some steam. In the beginning, it was a lot of turning wheels. It's a relationship-based business and scaling it is more relationships. How do you create them fast enough? And the two ways to do that in a scalable business are either you spend more to be in front of more people or you spend more time or a combination thereof. And so for me, it was about three, four years until it started to get take off. And then at that point, most of these businesses, myself included, you have more power to self-fund and grow based on what you've grown already. So the tree has started to bear some fruit and it's got a root system underneath it and that's how it takes off. 
Right. And that's what will also help you weather the storm that may be ahead. I mean, dad, to quote my father again, you know, he would say anyone could make money in an up market, but what separates the men from the boys, of course, you know, those were the old good old days when we only talked about men and boys, but the, what separates the men from the boys is, is those that can weather the storm. You know, I myself, when I'm looking at partners right now, as I'm mortgages and, you know, larger trying to scale up my mortgage practice and my I'm looking for exactly that in terms of my investment partners who's been through what we've been through because you know things will happen that we don't expect will happen and a lot of what we're seeing unfold here right now behind the scenes and secondary markets and in the markets themselves is just a rhyme of the old story you know it may history not repeating itself just rhyming right the mortgage market's not the creator of the meltdown it's in interest rates and inflation, you know, but it will certainly cause real estate will be the trailing entity. But in this case, real estate inventories, like you said, still low. So we've got some room to run there and real estate will always be the still the best long-term investment, in my opinion. How much of your clients are owner-operators, residential owner-occupied versus now investors in investment properties? So interestingly, over the course of my career, that's ebbed and flowed. So during the recession, it was heavy investor base because you could throw a dart at the wall and hit a foreclosure that you would be able to buy, fix and sell or renovate, keep and turn it into rental property. At some point, it started to get where as the market shifted in, in Los Angeles, you're seeing double digit depreciations year over year. Now you're getting homeowners that really want to buy in and it's harder to turn in an investment because there's so many people that are competing. The, the fact no longer exists in the margins for the investor. Right. And at some point that'll come back. Who knows exactly when nobody has a crystal ball, but as we see this potential recessionary inflationary market and see how long it lasts, investors are already starting to come back. And in your world, in the world of mortgage, I've started to see that since loan officers no longer have the ability to refinance, there's, the interest rates are there for them to be able to do it. So that market is gone for them. Now they're pushing back into purchase business. So the phoenix rises from the ashes in a variety of different ways. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's interesting, you know, I keep telling my staff, let's just, every time a new mortgage originator closes down, which we've seen several, obviously, this year. And a lot of them, unfortunately, are based here in Southern California. It just happens to be one of the areas of origination on a wholesale national level here. And, uh, you know, I keep telling my staff, let's collect the best resumes (laughs) because as the originators start to shut down, NPLs increase, we start to scale up, scratch and dent stuff, markets turn. It's like, you know, everything kind of goes in circles. I know, you know, guys that were in the NPL space 10 years ago, five years ago, and went back to origination, non-QM, stuff like that. Um, so, and, you know, it's interesting to hear that you've been through these multiple cycles. By the way, where is your, are you, you have a team now? Are you multiple agents? What's the, what's, the, what's your current status? Yeah, so I'm originally from the Midwest, so I still have a team there that I originally built. And then I now have several assistants and agents that are also with me here in the Beverly Hills market. And we're scaling. When you talk about this circle, I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, we Coming out of the recession, we made a killing. And the only thing that stopped us from 10, 20 Xing was because we were small. Mm. Now we're ready for it. And we've scaled a bit. And we're in a position to like 
really take advantage of it. So whatever happens as it's coming, I'm thrilled. Yeah. That's amazing. That is amazing. Yeah, we're, I think we're both in the right time. Right, we Something to toast over when we met is like, you know, we both feel like we're right time, right place, you know, and good stuff in that regard. Any challenges that you are foreseeing or that you've had kind of going from, you know, originally when you started as a realtor, you're just trying to build, a, make a living. And then now you've gotten to the point where you've got a, a company that's grossing seven figures and it's based upon a certain sales volume. And now you're looking to create multiple seven figure earners and obviously in turn, you know, multiple seven figures for yourself and maybe eight figures. And you're kind of going from those, any challenges, anything that you're foreseeing, anything you want to share with the audience about that experience? Yeah, most of it I find in the beginning, you you hit these plateaus and it's not that different from say fitness challenges, right? Like at first point you're out of shape and you need to stretch and eat better. And then if you want to continue to push to the point where you're in great shape, you could say the same analogy about your business. So in the beginning, you're just scaling up to get clients. At some point, as you start to have consistent business and you want to grow that model, now you need the systems and the structure behind it. And as we started the conversation, you need to have developed your niche. So in Los Angeles, give or take, I think there's 40,000 licensees or more. So why pick me versus somebody else? And how do I articulate that message in an interesting way? Well, we've developed a bunch of different things that make us really unique. Like one of our examples is we try and do as much what we call surprise and delight. And so you could go to a normal theme park or you can go to Disney World. And they're both theme parks, but they're very different experiences. And the same thing in my world, I want to be Disney World for you. I want to be a memorable experience that you want to tell other people. And the only way to do that is to build a system that relates to you. That's amazing. And then when you when you say build a system, are you actually, is this an automated thing? Are you communicating to your clients through the email system, through newsletters and a drip campaign that you put through either buyer, sellers or buyers? Or are you actually, also you have your staff kind of going down a checklist of, of ways to surprise and sat, satisfy and surprise, or I forget what, the, what your, your term yeah. is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Surprise and delight, we call surprise it. Surprise and delight, I like it, yeah. Right, but we use, so there's, we found that there's six big forms of communication and we use them all. So they are in order of what we think is preference from really developing our relationship is physical visit. Then maybe something like this, Zoom or phone call. Then you could say text message, social media, email, and still direct mail. Getting a handwritten letter in the mail, actually, you'd be impressed with how many people really appreciate that as a nice touch. Instead of email seems to be the bottom. It seems to be the most either callous or impersonal. Of course, we use it. But we have in our business, in essence, a funnel. And we have all this soft stuff at the top, what we call basically passive touches. So it might be social media posts or video or content, invites to things, etc. That's all soft. Inevitably, when someone opens the door and says, raises their hand and says, I'm interested, include me on your newsletter, put me on your email address. Yes, invite us to the next client appreciation event. Now they're in the system and we keep inviting them. Take a next step, come into the living room, come into the kitchen, come into the backyard. 
And each step that they take, they get closer and closer to becoming either a client or an advocate or a referral partner with us. And at each of those steps, we use one of our surprise and delights as a way to continue. Hey, if you come do this, we offer you so much more value. But if you come a little further, we're going to give you even more value. And it's our way of differentiating because we find that not a lot of our competitors or colleagues are doing what we're doing. Wow. That really is great. I mean, I guess you are one in a million, Eric. He wins! <laughs> Had to do the plug there for the book, One in a Million by Eric Pat. Can people buy this book, by the way? Is it on Amazon? Or I didn't it is. Ask you. Okay, great. Yeah. yeah, so it's One in a Million with my name on it, Eric Brown. Eric is with a K, very Scandinavian. Ooh. And then brown, just like the color. Skull. Absolutely. <laughs> well, it's been really a pleasure getting to know you. I'd love to hear one parting it's something that i do with my webinar guests i actually haven't yet done this with any of my podcast guests but i'd like to do it with you and is you seem so inventive and creative i'm gonna put you right on the spot here looking at the months at the next six months the end of this year we've come off with what we're seeing in the market give me either a true prediction or even make up something Something that you foresee could happen that would be impactful to our society, our real estate world, or whatever. Ooh, that's sure. Uh, I think, uh, so my guess, if I'm put on the spot and looking into my crystal ball, yeah. appreciation is going to get cut in half compared to what we're used to. For sure. Seller's market time is going to uptick to the point where they're now becoming consistently negotiable and will be in a normal market again, where buyers actually do have some power. Right. Uh, but because of supply, it's not going to complete. Got it. I, you know, I think that's a good way to predict it. And, you know, either way, Eric, you'll be there to do the transaction, right? Where could people find you that would listen to this podcast? If you're, whether they're do, buying or selling real estate in S Southern California, Beverly Hills area in particular, or it looks like in Minnesota as well. Tell us what, what's your pitch? As we yeah, correct. So I'll make it really easy. You can just Google me. So you Google Eric Brown Realtor or Eric Brown Beverly Hills, and you'll get to see things like reviews, what people say about us, our various websites and social links, our blog posts. There's a lot of information that will pop up. And yeah, I get to hear more from you. That's really fantastic. Thanks for getting to know me here on the Real Estate Lowdown, Eric Brown. Pleasure. This has been a Mission Matters Network production. Listen to this show and browse our entire catalog by visiting missionmatters.com.